Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Movement Radio. I am Chip Hazard. And I am Talon Williams. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a pretty cool top 10 for you guys today. Um, now, we haven't done a whole lot of controversial stuff in quite some time, but we were, um, well, I was uh, on Hulu just the other day, and I was going through a lot of the movies and stuff. And I seen a couple of documentaries, and the one documentary that I seen, it's not on the list, by the way, um, but there was what do- it was a documentary that I seen, and the documentary was called Hell Satan. Okay, now this documentary wasn't about you know praising Satan or anything like that. It was it was it was it was a uh, documentary about how the Church of Satan wants to be recognized as a religion as equal to other religions that people, you know, make, you know, different decisions for and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. And I, and I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, man, that's, that's kind of a controversial thing. I mean, I don't care what people's religious beliefs are. You believe what you want to believe. All, all I can do is pray for you. But at the same time, I thought, man, that's pretty controversial. And then I started thinking to myself, I wonder what other doc, uh, documentaries out there are considered controversial. So, I went to our good friends at Google, which led me to the website WatchMojo.com, and they have provided us with this list of the top 10 most controversial documentary movies, and this is just 10 that we're going to talk about today. Now, there's more than 10 controversial documentaries that we can talk about, but I think that these 10 are pretty good. Uh, what about you, Chip? How are you feeling about this particular top 10 before we jump into it? Oh, uh, man, I... So, I... I First of all, I love documentaries. Secondly, I love controversial stuff. Yes. Uh, so when you pair the two together, it's like, oh, wow. Uh, yep, let's do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, before we get into that, though, um, you were talking about the uh, documentary uh, that you'd seen on Hulu. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Glitch in the Matrix. No, 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 no. The one you just... Oh, uh, uh, oh, the one I just ha- talked about. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Yeah, I didn't watch it, um, but I seen the trailer for it. Um, the, the 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 documentary that I watched the other day was a uh, glitch in the Matrix. That was the one right. I was talking to you about in the group chat the other week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, but so, um, I've been listening to this podcast. There's this other podcast, and I won't mention them because uh, we're not sponsored, and I don't want to give too many people. Too many shout outs that aren't going to reciprocate that back to us. Right. Um, but it's it's about mysteries in the Bible, right? Mm. Um, it, it's, it's Each episode is uh, talking about a different mystery in the Bible. And eventually, I know we don't talk a whole lot of religion on here, but eventually I do want to talk about some of these these mysteries in the Bibles because it does talk about like the giants uh, and the Nephilim uh, and like who Satan really is like, cause there is a misconception of, of who Lucifer is. Uh, if you've actually done any kind of research, but when you said that you talking about hail Satan, um, it reminded me of, like those episodes of that podcast where right. they're talking about um, Satan and where like hell is. Um, there's not 
actually, uh, according to this uh, this guy that's like done, you know, dozens and dozens of years of research, um, hell. So, so hell is actually a version of heaven. Um, and, and the way he breaks it down is there's actually three heavens. Uh, have you ever heard that? I'm, I've never heard that theory before. No. Okay, so the the first heaven um, is uh, the the atmosphere, like our sky here on Earth. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is outer space, and then the third heaven is where uh, God's throne sits. Okay. Um, and so <clears throat> Lucifer and the, the one third of the angels that he like that turned their back on God and went to follow Lucifer are actually in second heaven. So somewhere floating out in the atmosphere somewhere. Right. Hmm. Or uh, outer space rather. Right. Well, what we would know is outer space. Hmm. Um, and it, it's ironic because <clears throat> the stars, like we've always growing up, I always heard that the stars are distant planets. Right. Right. Isn't that what you have always been led to believe? Well, I mean, stars are, I mean, I mean, cause I mean, hell, I didn't realize until I got in high school that the sun was a star. I just thought, okay, the sun's the sun, you know, you know, it's a star, right. you know, so, you know, which eventually, I mean, it don't, I mean, it, it ain't, it ain't going to go supernova. It's just going to expand and, you know, engulf the solar system in about, you know, 20, you know, million years or whatever they say, but you know. Right. So, um, according to this guy in his research and he does give, um, Bible verses to, to kind of back it up. I mean, you got to kind of read into it just a little bit. It's it it's not like verbatim. This is what it says, but you got to kind of read into it a little bit. Okay, so it, um, so it isn't like so it isn't like a, a so it isn't like a bunch of atheists trying to disprove anything. It's more along the lines of uh, theo theologians who uh, will dissect it and quit what the King James version is to maybe this version and to the old um, versions and things of that nature. Correct. Okay. Uh, but, but so he says that the, the, the stars that we see, like the glistening light. Yeah. Are actually um, angels looking down upon us. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hey I'll take any angel looking down upon me. <laughs> what what, is, what does so, the Bible say? What, is, what does the Bible say? We entertain angels unaware. <laughs> that, that is correct. That is correct. All right. So, um, enough about that. We'll get into that. That's going to be a whole nother topic for a whole nother, uh, episode. Uh, cause I, I do think that people would find that pretty interesting, even if you're oh, yeah, a, of course. a non-believer, because there are parts of it that like fall right into a non-believers thought process. Um, so we're to jump from there to, controversial documentaries and sometimes the truth found in a non-fiction motion picture is not as straightforward as it seems right right uh 
so today we're going to actually just jump in and we're going to look at 10 controversial documentaries. And for this list, we're only going to look at full length documentaries that have caused a stir for various reasons. Those reasons can be anything from their content, their claims, and so forth and so on. So if it has made some sort of splash in the water that was, excuse me, essentially a negative splash in the water, that's what controversy is really if if you break it down to it controversy is something that's negative where it's like oh man uh that didn't that's not the way that's supposed to be and then you have somebody that comes along and they're like yeah it is and then there's the controversy to right. that yeah, um, so- a lot of them have a a lot of them are very very controversial from the standpoint that it talks about subjects that are taboo subjects talks about subjects that are Subjects that you're really not supposed to talk about, you know, like, oh, well, you know, with, or, or, or it's just stocky or it's just stuff that you just want to ignore most of the time. Right. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of ignorance with some of these, but let's just go ahead and jump on straight into it. The first one that we're going to talk about today is a documentary called The Cove, and this was uh, a 2009 documentary. And it's the first of three films on this list that focuses on supposedly inhumane treatment of animals by humans the cove shown in the documentary uh the cove showed the world of showed the world the death of dolphins like no film has ever shown them before filmmakers filmmakers used guerrilla style filmmaking tactics to capture horrifying footage of the methods used by the japanese fishermen to trick dolphins into the cove and then butcher them. The documentary's ending moments in which viewers are forced to witness these gentle creatures' deaths and cries for help will haunt even the most hardened of people. And while it won an Oscar for Best Documentary Feature, The Cove has also been criticized for its lack of objectivity and its negative depiction of the Japanese. So, that being, I mean, yeah, I mean, anytime you're dealing with any type of killing of animals you know people are always like like you know almost like it's like when you see like documentaries of like slaughterhouse movies and things of that nature like (laughs) like okay like i know i eat chicken but i don't want to see the chicken die if does that make any sense you know like like i love i love eating steak but i don't want to see you slit the cow's throat or whatever you know (laughs) um but i mean the i mean I mean, I like dolphins. I'm partial to them. Um, but I mean, geez, you lure these creatures into this cove and where it's netted up and then you just just kill them. You know, now whether they kill them for food or they kill them for whatever reasons that they do it. Um, how, how are you feeling about this particular documentary? Uh, so I haven't seen this documentary but i've heard about it and um it's from what i understand is it's it's not uh them killing them for food um so it's it's more of a a a a a game slash sport kind of deal 
which right. uh, I, I'm not uh, look, I'm all for if, if you're going to kill an animal uh, for food for as, as a food source, by all means have at it. Um, however, if you're going to just kill these animals for fun, um, no, like I'm not about that. Like, you know, I've seen people who just will, or I, 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 I've not seen people, but I've seen videos of people who will hunt deer it, shoot the deer and just leave them to die like mm -mm. okay why did you do that for for what reason like you know what what did you get out of that uh nothing so now nah, i mean if you're gonna kill a deer you're gonna at least drag it back to the truck and you know take it to get skinned and you know get ready to eat it because <sighs> i know you i know you don't like deer meat we're not going to get into that subject. I, I, I can't eat it. It makes me sick. Right. I right. mean, there's a difference between not liking it and I just can't eat it because it makes me sick. Right. Is it just because it's too gamey and it, like it, it just does I, something to you? Goes through honestly, you some weird way? I honestly have no idea what the uh, what what the reasoning behind it is. I just know in any instance that I've ever eaten deer meat, uh, it has made me sick. Even, mm. even when I don't know that it's deer meat up front, like I get sick. It's, mm. you know, within an hour or so of eating it, like I've got, I, I break out in cold sweats and I start puking and mm. it's, I mean, it's terrible, bro. Uh, you know, and of course, I've always gotten the uh, well. You just haven't had it made the right way. Let me make it <laughs> for you. Um, you know, and Heard that one before, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the thing, uh, the thing of it is, is it, it doesn't matter how it's made; it makes me sick. Right. So, Yep. Right. Um, also, um, a little bit of a tidbit information about the uh, the documentary also of the Cove is that like what we like we talked about it won the Oscar. Um, the oh, the other four uh, documentary features that were nominated was uh, Bruma V J, uh, reporting from Closed County. It was about. Uh, it was a Danish documentary about the uh, uh, Saffron Revolution and the military regime. Uh, food Inc., which is basically about how agriculture and processed foods is unhealthy for people. Um, the Most Dangerous Man in America, Daniel El um, Ellsberg and the Pentagon Papers. It was uh, more, more of an expose. And Which Way Home, which was a documentary film about several children who attempt to get from Mexico to Central America uh, from the, on the top of a freight train. So, oh wow! But yeah, so, um, but but nevertheless, um, so yeah, I mean, the movie was very very controversial. Um, it did say something about the depiction of uh, Japanese um, people. Uh, there has been the controversy over the depiction of the Japanese people in the film. Uh, Huruataka Akamatsu. 
uh, uh, the uh, Minister of Agriculture and Fishery uh, said it, hello, said that it is regrettable that this movie is made as uh, the me- as a message that brutal Japanese are killing cute dolphins. However, Louis Sayapaso, I want to say, uh, spoke with his sympathy of the Japanese people, many of whom are unaware of the situation in the cove, saying to me, it's a love letter. I'm giving you the information your government won't give you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, let's move on ahead to the next one on the list. You got it? Yep. Next one, we're going to talk about a uh, documentary called Earthlings. Um, And uh, Earthlings is a film watching experience that could best be compared with a war of attrition. This documentary was designed to shock the senses of anyone with even a passing affection for animals. And it pulls that off completely. Keep out are kept out of a higher slot on the list strictly because of the near universal revulsion the film creates in anyone who chooses to watch it. Earthlings uh, footage is highly controversial, but it affects or but its effects are not. Taking more than six years to finish production, this graphic and shocking production used concealed cameras to capture the darker side of industries that rely on animals yeah yeah um uh let me they they do talk about a couple of uh the uh the horrors of the uh of the industry um especially with uh oh crap i just hit the wrong button trying to uh, trying to uh get back to what i was looking at um because I I got the Wikipedia page up, um, and that basically the synopsis for it was it was covering pet stores, pet uh, puppy mills, um, various uh, and t- talk about the various different ones, and like what you said, the hidden camera footage which chronicled the day to day practices of some of the most largest industries in the world, all of which, like what you said, were a lot of animals. Uh, then the film draws parallels between speciesism as well as racism, sexism, and more. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you started doing the filming in 99 and then you release it six years later in 2005. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it was a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty insane uh, thing, especially because when you see footage of like the turkeys and you see footage of the, uh, the, 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 uh, the fish, you know, and the and then you see a, a, then there's one thing of a cat with with a, where they're doing like experiments on animals and stuff like that, and they actually take you to a slaughterhouse, and you got the cows with their you know their hooves tied up and things of that nature. You see an elephant going crazy in a circus, like, you know, like how how are you feeling so far about this one? Man, I am. I, I just get sick. Period. When people abuse animals uh for for the fact that animals just like i don't know they're they're helpless and you know they just look to to us like us as humans for the most part to like they're not trying to harm us in any way uh, unless we interject ourselves 
into their um their habitat you know and they're trying to protect their young or whatnot so right right um interesting thing about this particular movie this particular documentary is that it had a connection to the Litsk hostage crisis. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, I um, have, actually. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, on July 21st, 2020, uh, Max... Uh, I'm going to probably butcher the hell out of this name. Uh, <laughs> Maxim Krivach, sure, uh, seized a bus with 13 people on board in the city of uh, Lusk uh, in the Ukraine. And demanded, among other things, the president of the, U- uh, the president of the Ukraine to publish a post in which he recommended Earthlings to everyone. Within a few hours, Zelensky fulfilled Krakow's uh, demands, posting a Facebook video in which he said in Russian, "Everyone should watch the 2005 film Earthlings." He then released three hostages after a standoff with the police. He was arrested, and the other ten hostages were released. Uh, all unharmed, and the president's recommendation rec- recommendation video was deleted. The next day, Sean Mor- Munson reacted to the incident by saying that Earthlings does not endorse or condone acts of terror, as it as its message is one of compassion for all living beings. Our hearts go out to all of those impacted by this ordeal, to their families as well as the authorities who ensured that no lives were lost. May we move forward with nonviolence uh, towards all. Man. So, okay. so that whole thing. So this guy just wanted people to see the documentary. So he held up a bus full of thirteen people. Like, yep. I, you know, I mean, if you if you if you believe in the cause, you believe in the cause. Exactly. Um, uh, but that being said, uh, let's move on ahead to the next one. Um, the next one is the next documentary we're going to talk about is a, is a documentary called High on Crack Street Lost Lives in Laurel. Laurel, sorry. Now, focusing on a trio of drug addicts in Laurel, Massachusetts, this film pulls no punches in its effort to show the reality of addiction. One of the people whose struggles are depicted is Ed Eklund, a former boxer, who, a former boxer who fought Sugar Ray Leonard and was brought to life on the big screen by Christian Bale in the movie The Fighter. The, the documentary filmmakers Which are. I, I was going to say, go, if, you go if you haven't seen that movie, it's really good. Yeah, it's very very good. Uh, documentary filmmakers are not typically meant to intercede in the events that they film. But the decision to capture these addicts' uh, descent and activities, including prostitution and smoking crack while pregnant, shocked many people. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and um, what? How, how are you feeling about this one? Uh, okay, so uh, this one touches. Uh, uh, it reaches home to me. We'll say. Um, I lived through a, uh, a period of time where, uh, someone very close to me was, um, addicted to crack cocaine. 
um and to see what what these people will do uh just to get a fix is is insane um this uh i i've seen part of this documentary and um had to turn it off just because i i couldn't bear it any longer uh right. it, it is as someone who lived through uh witnessing uh the the stuff that a a crack addict will do um it's it's spot on it, it's yeah. it's 100 spot on yeah, um, it uh, now it now it did air on HBO as part of the uh, America Undercover um, uh, series. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones that also brought you guys Autopsy, Real Sex, and uh, Taxi Cab Confessions. Um, but it does talk about how you know they would, you know, especially with uh, Dick Eklund, um, who you know, is still alive, you know, and kicking, um, you know, the man hasn't had a fight since 1985, whose his last fight was against James Lucas, um, you know, and he did fight, I mean, he fought, you know, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, and I think that was, uh, uh Dave Boy Green, Chris Clark was the, the three big names that he fought, um, they, you know, he was, you know, he, he was considered the pride of Laurel, uh, he, and he was one of the considered, you know, it was, it was okay welterweight. Um, but it was basically around him, um, about a guy named Gary Glido, otherwise known as Boo Boo, and a lady that simply went by the name Brenda. Um, and the documentary ends with Boo Boo discussing how he is the only member of the three, um, left. Uh, Dickie was in jail, and unfortunately, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, is that, uh, Brenda, who was, uh, one of the women in the documentary, she ended up losing her life. Um, she, and, and, and what it was is that they filmed and then six months later was revealed that, uh, Boo Boo was still living in Laurel, Massachusetts with a $200 a day crack habit. Um, and Dickie, uh, would not be eligible for parole for another four years. Of course, that was in 1999. Um, and then Brenda died of a drug overdose before the film was released um in august of 1995 um i'm looking to see exactly when it said that she died it said after brenda leaves the area who joke habit gets worse and starts shooting cocaine intravenously how oh, the fuck he then it then uh, gets tested for hiv and find out that he's positive um so this man obviously had hiv um i'm trying to see exactly when brenda died because it's not it's not necessarily showing me on the uh on the thing here um but yeah i mean for for this documentary to have such a and now it says the here's one thing that it said it said that in pop culture uh the 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 fictionalized version of the documentary is featured in the movie the fighter um like what we talked about a minute ago which was nominated uh for an academy award for best picture um where Eklund was actually played by christian bale and he is shown in the film smoking crack and being 
high throughout the whole movie uh, telling his family that the HBO camera crew were filming him making a boxing comeback. Uh, Bell actually did win uh, Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal. Um, okay, here we go. Now, post-filming, uh, Brenda, who was pregnant at the time, delivered a baby and was noted that in the film credits uh, to have overdosed on in on uh, October 25th of 1995 um, at, at the... Uh, IFF Boston uh, 2016 screening uh, Richard Farrell and Marianne uh, DeLeo who were the uh, uh, ones who created the documentary revealed that Brenda's father a state police officer and her brother had isolated her in a padded room at their house so that she could stay in a drug free uh, until the healthy baby boy was born um, unfortunately it you know, didn't work uh, and there was another lady by the name of Janice Ellis. Um, she had her nickname was Janet from another planet, um, and uh, she was murdered in the early hours of uh, May of 2006 by a man by the name of Frank Eberhardt. She allegedly attempted to sell him fake cocaine and drew a knife on him. Though uh, Eberhardt, I'm sorry, Eberhardt was uninjured. Her body laid in his apartment for four days until her murder attempt, a murderer attempted to dispose of the body by wrapping it up in a carpet and leaving it in an alley. An appeals court upheld his life sentence in the year 2010. Whew. This is heavy shit, man. Yep. Man. So. Uh, according to, it says, co-director Richard Farrell struggles with his newfound fame with this documentary in his hometown. Farrell turned inward and started writing of his own personal experiences in law as a crack addict in the 80s. Farrell used inspiration to write a book entitled What's Left of Us, where a discussion for a film by Berkeley Square Films to be uh, announced uh, in the year 2010 with Channing Tatum playing the role of Farrell, but... But those playwriting, uh, all the play screenplay has been halted, and according to the Huffington Post, uh, it shows that there have been no new developments since 2010. That was over 11 years ago, so who knows if right. we ever get that one. But yeah, um, so that being said, though, let's move on to the very next uh, documentary. You got it? I do. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about. Um, uh, a documentary called Zeitgeist the yep. movie. Um, oh, I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> have you actually seen this? I have seen this one. I've seen all, I've seen, I've, I've definitely seen this one. Yes. Okay. I, I, I have too. So, um, stretching the parameters of documentary film to the utmost, Zeitgeist was crafted by conspiracy theorists for conspiracy theorists attempting to dispute the existence of Jesus Christ as well as to show so-called evidence that the September 11th attacks on America were the works of a group attempting to bring about a new world order. This film has legions of detractors who cite it as unethical propaganda and much more. Love it or hate it. Peter Joseph's production certainly created a great deal of in passioned discussion and its fair share of eye rolling yeah the conspiracy theorists for conspiracy theorists movie about conspiracy theories 
Yeah, uh, this was one of the ones, like, I seen it on Netflix, and I was like, I wonder what this is about. Uh, and, uh, and, and and I'm like, first and foremost, like, I, I and this is just me speaking personally, the movie kind of contradicts itself from, from, from really up from this standpoint. Like, you cannot in one breath say that you are attempting to dispute the existence of Jesus Christ at the same time talk about bringing in the new world order because i'm thinking don't they have something to do with each other i mean if you read the bible in any way shape or form about especially end times prophecy and you actually look into going deep into it jesus has a lot to do with this you know what i mean but i don't where's your head at at this at this point uh yeah i mean uh... So yeah, it, it it definitely is. It does contradict itself, um, but it also makes some very interesting points um, uh, about not really about trying to disprove Jesus. Um, there there are better documentaries that that go about trying to disprove Jesus. Uh, but the the portion where they're talking about uh 911 and everything is really good and really interesting. Right. I mean, yeah, I think there's another movie on the list that kind of coincides with the uh with with 911, but we will <laughs> we will get to that one in due time. Yes. Um so yeah, um but, but nevertheless, I mean, yeah, I mean, this was one of those documentaries where they try to and, and again, I mean, Peter Joseph, you know, he, he you know, he's he 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 did he did pretty much all the Zeitgeist movies. Um, he's also a big proponent of any Occupy movement, um, which is which is you know mostly a left wing populist kind of social political movement of things of that nature. Um, he's you know he does have he does have some he does have his detractors, but then again everybody has their detractors. Um, now and th- and here's the thing like he this was just one of the documentaries that he did like he did zeitgeist but then he also did zeitgeist uh adenium and then he did zeitgeist moving forward um which that one was more about like human nature social pathology um things of that nature you know um and there's actually because of this because of these documentaries it led to the quote-unquote zeitgeist movement which is you know, an activist movement that is that was established by him, um, and it's critical of capitalism and and all these different things. And, and I don't want to get too much into the into the uh, the, the politics side of it. Um, but yeah, this movie, this this documentary was very very controversial at a time when, you know, a lot of people was like, well, you can't in one breath say this, but then you say this, pretty much saying that. You know, ever since September 11th, you were trying to monetize Christianity, and you know it was you you the force in this narrative of Christianity versus Islam and all these different things. Although I will say this though, like the, the documentary Loose Change was a way more compelling documentary about the conspiracy theories of 9/11 than this movie was. Um, so. You know that 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 that's what I'll say there before before we go too deep into a conversation, right? Uh, you know. Um, that being said, though, 
uh, we're gonna move on to another one, and this this partic- this particular one, man, is kind of freaky. Okay. Uh, this one is called "Interview with a Cannibal." This is from 2011. Now, cannibalism is a practice that could very well be the greatest crime against human nature that there is. That is why it says some very fascinating things about our species that anyone who crosses that line and consumes flesh of his fellow man or woman in this case holds such a macabre um, fascination to so many people. Uh Issei Sagawa, I want to say I'm, I'm pronouncing his name correctly, a Japanese man who brutally murdered and ate a Dutch woman and later became a minor celebrity because of it, is the focus of this film, which has created much ire in some viewers ever since its release. Now, have you ever heard of the documentary Interview with a Cannibal? Um, I, I, I've heard of it and I, I have not watched it. Um, there's... I have I have not either. Okay, <laughs> I don't think so, I want to either. <laughs> there's something to be said about cannibalism. Um, human beings are the only species of animal, uh, uh, per se, uh, on planet Earth that are cannibals. And what I mean by that is. Lions will not eat other lions. Uh, Tigers will not eat other tigers. Um, Jackals will not eat other jackals. So on and so forth. They eat other animals, yes, but they never eat their own. Right. Uh, Human beings are the only uh, species of mammal, I I guess, that that will uh, eat, eat its own. Yeah. Um, so, so that has to tell you something right there. These are wild animals and they won't even do it. How fucked up are we? <laughs> well, I think it's all, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, when you, when you look at it from the perspective of, damn it, my phone went out again, son of a bitch. Anyway, no, when you look at it from that perspective of how, and I, and I'm looking up the man, um, his name is, uh, and again, Sagawa is how his last name is pronounced. So I, I can't pronounce his first name. I want to say it's Issei. Uh, but he's also known as Pang or the Kobe Cannibal. And mm-hmm. he is a Japanese murderer, cannibal, and necrophilia, necrophiliac uh, known for the killing of Rene uh, Heart, Heart of, Heart of it, the Heart of it, I think it's how it's pronounced, in Paris in 1981. He murdered her. He, he, first, he mutilated her, cannibalized her, raped her corpse over several days. And was arrested but released after two years of pre-trial detention upon being found legally insane and deported to and uh, deported to Japan. Sagawa released Sagawa's released was due to legal technicalities, and his post-release cele- uh, celebrity in Japan led to international publicity. I'm sorry, like so almost like it was like a I don't know, a, a too good to be true kind of thing, but I mean, like, or people didn't believe it or whatever. Right. Um, you know, like, like, I mean, he did some gross shit to this woman. I'm, I'm looking at some of the shit on the Wikipedia page of this man, and oh boy, it, it ain't pretty. <laughs> it ain't pretty whatsoever. No. Um, uh, but in 2005, Sagawa's parents died, 
um, and he was prevented from attending their funeral, but repaid their creditors and moved into public housing. Sagawa received welfare benefits for the time, and in an interview with Vice Magazine in 2011, Sagawa said that being forced to make a living while being known as a murderer and cannibal is a terrible punishment. In 2013, Sagawa was hospitalized from a cerebral infraction, um, which permanently damages the nervous system. He now lives alone and needs daily assistance, which is provided by his younger brother and from other caregivers. At the time, he claimed that he has regretted the obsession with cannibalism. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, because wouldn't eating, I mean, I don't, eating another human being, I mean, we talked about it a couple of, uh, about a year or so ago. Remember when we did, uh, Forbidden, the top 10 videos you'll never see, and we had and we had the discussion of uh, Arvin Mavas, the, yes. uh, the the Rottenberg cannibal, as he was known, um, and the video of him eating and consuming and killing uh, Bird Brendis. And the, the video, they said, was so horrific that people who, in the jury room who saw it, had to seek psychological therapy afterwards. I don't even like, I mean, how would you go about finding out about this? And then, and, 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 and again, this is no disrespect whatsoever to uh, the gentleman who created the documentary. Um, I don't know if it was Vice. Yeah, Vice made the documentary. So this is in no way, shape, or form a shot at Vice. But let's be honest. Why the hell would you want somebody like that to be celebrated or documented? You know, I, I don't know. I see. I don't know either. But, uh, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, uh, unless you're like, oh, this is a precautionary tale or something. But even then, I don't. I don't know. Right. Yeah, but, but nevertheless, let's let's uh let's move on. <laughs> Next one. Go ahead. All right. Uh, the next up is um, a documentary called Black Fish. Uh, and this is from 2013. This is science has shown that killer whales are capable of creating emotional bonds that far exceed traditional theories on the topic. That's one fact that makes viewing this documentary so disturbing as it shows these creatures being corralled for the amusement of humans. Bringing awareness to such an injustice should have been uncontroversial enough, but the choice to feature footage of the buildup to the brutal death of an orca trainer ensured that was far from the case. With both trainers, SeaWorld, and others complaining about its so-called inaccuracies and agenda. Um, now, do you know this uh, documentary? I know of the documentary. I never actually watched it, but I did see little snippets of it. And I did the snippet that I did see was of the situation that took place where um, the... The person died um, from it was not exactly in a but an accident that took place. The trainer, this Don, uh, um, 
branche i want to say that's how it's pronounced um you know like because and it, it says right here it says the development was is that you know she died in response to the claim that the orca was targeted that she targeted uh, was targeted because she wore a ponytail wore her hair in a ponytail and that they argue that that and, and of course there's many people that say oh, well there was more to that story blah 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 um this was according to the producer uh gabriella Calberthwaite. um but yeah i mean a lot of it had to do with you know the captured orcas and you know is it right to house them and, and things of that nature because you you can't keep a small group of orcas and you know yeah how are you feeling about this because i mean i mean i because i mean i remember going to um you know sea world and you know watching the orca shows watching shamu and things of that nature and it was and it was cool you know like hey we got to see these cool majestic looking creatures and all this sort of stuff and as you're a kid you don't really necessarily think about man what are their living conditions like you know what i mean right as a kid you don't think of that um but as an adult you do like i, I love going to zoos i'm just going to be honest I, I i i love going to zoos i love going to the aquariums and everything but every time i go i get this this deep like gut punch of are these animals actually happy where they are are they lock being them up taken... stare at them <laughs> right but i mean are they are they being taken care of to the best um ability that they they can um right i mean we've seen it uh just recently with the whole tiger king docuseries on netflix um you know that, that all these people who you know kept kept these tigers in these small cages and stuff and a tiger you know and, and the majority of those tigers have since been moved not to spoil the documentary for anybody who hasn't seen it but a lot mo the majority of those tigers have been moved to a place in colorado where they're more free to roam around it's more it's more like a it's more like an, an enclosement than a cage if you will um so that way it's like you know kind of like well just for example like when we go to the chattanooga zoo um you know there's a large area where you can see tigers and things of that nature if you go up to the knoxville zoo there's a large area where you can see tigers and um they have plenty of room to run around graze and do what they have to do it's not like them being stuck it's, it's not like you have a six foot tiger stuck in an eight foot by three foot cage you know what i mean right that would be that would be magical disney no that'd be that'd be you know <laughs> that, that nah nah uh shere khan gonna come out that motherfucker like yeah so i'm gonna kill you but anyway um right um so the the back to uh black back fish. to this blackfish yes yeah um so uh after the film's release former sea world trainer uh bridget Pratel said that the final film was a complete 180 from what was originally presented to her um in earlier statements Pretel appraised the film's direction and supported its message uh now mark simmons one of Tilikum's uh, first trainers believed few of his interview comments were used because the things I said flew in the face of the movie's clear agenda. What yep. I contributed did not support Gabriella or Tim Zimmerman's intent with the film. 
uh, Michael Scarpuzzi, the vice president of zoological operations and trainer for SeaWorld San Diego, says the film uses Branquia's death and gruesome details to not inform the public, but rather regrettably uh, because of the desire to sens sensationalize, he states, we have altered how we care for, display, and train these extraordinary animals. We have changed the facilities, equipment, and procedures at our killer whale habitats. The care and educational presentation of these animals at SeaWorld has been made safer than ever. Does Blackfish inform its viewers of that fact? No, it does not. In January of 2014, the family of the late trainer Don Branchia said neither they nor the foundation named after her were affiliated with this film and that they do not believe it accurately reflected their daughter or her experiences. So basically they turned, oh, this is the reason why this person died was because you were responsible for holding these fish hostage in a sense. You you're holding these animals hostage in a sense. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, SeaWorld, I mean, they just refused to take part in the production, um, you know, uh, because they just said that it was just so they, they pretty much said it was a bullshit movie, and that it was inaccurate and misleading and everything else yeah yeah i mean they, they they simply refuse and i mean i don't blame them uh yeah. why would you even if the the documentary was um accurate and everything uh why would you want to take part in a documentary that was inevitably going to take uh millions of dollars out of your pocket Right, exactly, and and the fact that there's, the fact that there is so many different like other things. I mean, it it what what it probably was was it probably was a group of people who intentionally wanted to, you know, it, it could have been someone from PETA, it could have been someone from any any animal rights group. That was like, well, this is what these are what these people do to their fit. The same way they do when they protest, like you know, Ringling Brothers, Barman Bailey Circus, or you know, anytime. I mean, like, because here's the thing: I worked at the Tennessee Aquarium for God, like you were there for five or six five, years. Five or six years. I was at the. I used to work at the Tennessee Aquarium for five or six years. I not at any point did I ever come across anybody protesting. Like I, I never have the, I never heard about anybody protesting outside of the facility about all oh, these fish are not being taken care of or these reptiles are not in their natural habitat or, or any of that shit. Oh, but when Ringling bro, when Ringling Brothers comes to town or a circus comes to town, whether it be at Camp Jordan at the UTC Arena, all you see is just protest signs from PETA saying "Free the animals." Like, okay, so fish, sure, we don't give a shit. We eat that on the weekend. Oh. You know, this elephant deserves to be back, you know, in its in in the Sahara or whatever. Like, come on, y'all, be on. Like, you can't pick and choose, you know. You know, and, and not to mention the fact that you know when you work when you work somewhere, 
you get you know you 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 educate yourself about it and and it's and it's and it's not just you know lock them up stare at them you know i mean these i mean i can tell you got some personal experience if there's any place i know that takes care of the animals that they house it's definitely the tennessee aquarium you will not you will not find a better like they serve these fish like they serve these fish food that we would pay like 70 80 bucks for at like a fucking fancy restaurant like i mean these i mean they spend a shitload of money on making sure that these animals you know stay fed and stay well the damn the ocean journey tank is 619,000 gallons of water that is freaking huge you know and it's so massive that literally when they input it in you literally have to go around the whole entire tank as you go down and then you got to go up underneath it to look up at the tank and you can tell like man this is a freaking huge tank yeah and not to mention you got sharks and stingrays and sea turtles and all these other different fish in there like you know and then and and you know coral and like all this different shit but where's the protest for all of those animals to go back into the ocean or whatever you know right I mean, let, be honest with yourselves. I mean, you can't sit there and say one's bad for the other. But that's what I think. I think a lot of people, because, I mean, they were only protesting Shamu and the killer whales. What about the sharks? What about the monkeys? What about the other animals that you have? You, oh, you, oh, so it's only the killer whales? Gotcha. Yeah. You, 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 you specifically pointed out the biggest animal in the whole park, and that's what your uh, main focus is on. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right. That being said, though, let's move on to another documentary. Now, this one, this, 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 this one's, this one's disturbing in a sense. Okay. This is Faces of Death. This I, is probably now. Now, believe it or not, okay, this was from 1978, mm. but it's not the oldest one on this list. Nope. But this. Uh, go ahead. I've, I've seen these. Yeah, this, um, ladies and gentlemen, is torture porn at its finest in the, the the torture porn of all documentaries. OK, now Faces of Death is a mix of staged and actual footage of gore and death that instantaneously found an audience upon its release. Controversial due to the unflinching depiction of violence for its own sake, as well as the willingness to mix pretend and all too real deaths indiscriminately, not not no list of controversial documentaries or movies, let alone documentaries, would be complete without this exploitation documentary film, despite its explicit nature and the depiction of real life animal cruelty. Faces of Death has also spawned several sequels. Yeah, it has. And uh, it, if you, it, who, if you've never seen this, ladies and gentlemen, it is in the nicest possible way I can say, it is fucked up. Go ahead, Chip. What were you gonna say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I used to work at a, uh, a, a a movie store, a video store, um, for for our younger listeners. Um, that is a place where you would go and and rent the movies. This was well before like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. it, it, All the streaming services. <laughs> right. It's an actual building that you would go into and rent a movie. 
um and i worked there for for quite a long time and if i i honestly if they were still around to this day i'd still be working at a video store that was my favorite job i've ever had uh so uh but <clears throat> this particular video store was well known for getting the most obscure and hard to find movies uh and the the faces of death series is one of those series that's it's very obscure and hard to find uh it it has literally been banned in uh like dozens and dozens of countries um and i heard about it one day and we just so happened to have it and i was like oh well let me take this home and see if it's as bad as i hear that it is because you know you you often will hear how terrible something is and then you watch it and you're like eh, it wasn't that bad right you know? yeah um no this is that bad yeah it is a extremely fucked up movie um and, and, and here's one thing it's like on a, like here's the beginning this is just the beginning of the movie on an operating table, an unnamed patient undergoes open-heart surgery that saves his life, and pathologist Francis B. Gross states to the uh, viewer that he has become interested with the transitional period of life and death thanks to a recurring dream. He has accrued footage from several parts of the world in an effort to better understand the study of the many faces of death. In Mexico, Gross, explain, Gross has captured a mummified corpse of the deceased inhabitants of uh, Guama. I'm going to butcher this and I apologize. Guamajato? Guadalajara? As well as footage of a dogfight between two pit bulls. He next explains um, the nature predators of the Amazon, the natural predators of the Amazon rainforest. And the ways that they can kill their prey. Uh, footage of a monkey being killed and then its brains being eaten by guests of the uh, banquet is also shown. A man is killed by an alligator, an act that Gross called a violent retaliation from a creature who has suffered continuous abuse from mankind. Th that's just the opening sequence. That's not even the... Whew, like... Yeah. <laughs> he did no gross next narrates over recordings of human deaths and other species to kill for greed like a like assassin um Francisco Jordan is interviewed admitting that he killed solely for payment not for political or social value however gross next uh, in introduced another type of killer quote unquote the one who kills for no apparent reason quote unquote a gunfight ensues between an armed murderer and a SWAT team ending with the murderer being shot in the head and the SWAT team entering the killer's house to find his family stabbed to death gross questions if the man's actions were caused by society soon after gross exhibits uh, video footage of criminal Larry Da Silva being executed by electric chair it gets worse 
Footage of several more tragic events is shown, both animals and humans, culminating in a, in a segment focused on vehicular accidents, including a scene in which a wing walker attempts to parachute jump from a plane, but dies after the parachute fails to open properly. And yes, you see the impact of this person hitting the ground. Gross disputes the notion that this death was quick and painless, as the jumper would have been conscious and aware for the entire time he fell to the ground. The segment ends with, with photographs uh, and footage of air traffic control audio from a cra from the from, from the crash of a P of PSA flight 182 and its aftermath. Gross introduces the next topic: the idea that supernatural forces could exist. He, met, he meets an architect by the name of Joseph uh, Bender, whose wife and son both died under tragic circumstances. He confides in the viewer that he believes that his deceased family members were ghosts in his house and attempts to communicate with him. Gross enlists the services of a parapsych parapsychologist uh, to verify this, and the team later manages to spot footprints and take photographs of two apparitions. Binder later communicates with these spirits of the families through a medium, seemingly confirming their existence and that there is, in fact, life after death. Gross's remarks that after studying Binder's case, he has concluded even when we die, it isn't really the end. The soul in each of us remains a travel for a traveler forever. Gross ends by questioning if death is the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end, and leaves the footage that he has shown to the viewer's interpretation immediately after Gross's final dialogue. Footage of oh, footage of a baby's birth and photos of a child growing with happy lives plays and peaceful music as the film ends yeah and due to its graphic content faces of death was banned in several countries <laughs> yep 40 countries to be exact over 40 countries to be exact and the film was uh, prosecuted and added to the quote-unquote nasty films list as it was deemed to violate the obscene publication act of 1959 didn't even know that was a thing uh okay it's in uk parliament that's probably why i never heard of it um so yeah this one um yeah and there's also been you know like seven other films attached to this matter of fact the first time i ever seen uh the bud uh the bud dwyer uh suicide press conference was on a faces of death movie that one was trippy that one was ugh, not <laughs> Not something I want to, you know, watch ever again in my life. You know, right? A lot of people, a lot, and then there was a lot of people was like, "Oh, this, this is damn near snuff films." You know, I mean, it's pretty close to snuff films. Yeah, it's it's about as closest to a snuff film as you can get. Um, but then there was also another one called Traces of Death, um, where it was kind of similar to Faces of Death. Uh, but unlike Faces of Death, which included fake deaths and reenactments, Traces contains mostly actual footage depicting death and injury, and it is considered to be more shocking. In fact, it is it is it is it's considered a night it's considered a Z movie docu a Z movie shockumentary is what it's called. Um and they have a lot of who just 
the, the first one from 1993, you got the murder of uh, uh, Martin Mundos, um, the Iran embassy siege, um, the Terry Roslin suicide attempt, uh, the car accident in 1984 uh, of Ricky Rudd. Like so many different uh, ones. Matter of fact, matter of fact, the uh, the the R. Bud Dwyer press conference suicide was on the 1993 Traces of Death documentary as well. Yeah. So, moving on from that one, let's let's move on to the next one. You got it, Bubba? Oh, it doesn't get any better. I promise. No, you it that. don't. It does not. No. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about a uh, film called Triumph of the Will. This is from 1935. This is the oldest film on our list tonight. Uh, and it is considered by many film historians to be one of the greatest films ever put to celluloid. Um, and just, I, I meant to look that up just so I could explain what celluloid was. Let's find out what celluloid is, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> yes. Um, celluloid is a transparent flammable plastic made in sheets from camphor and nitrocellulose. It's formerly used for cinemo the cinematographic film, uh, motion pictures as a genre. So it's, it's the old style of filming a movie right uh just i, I wanted to let people know what that actually meant um, right. it's all good so, so this beautifully shot documentary with its groundbreaking cinematic techniques is the ultimate propaganda film for the nazi party a film that has garnered massive acclaim despite a legacy that could never be separated from one of the most reviled groups in the history of the world. Triumph of the Will, or Triumph des Willens, uh, as it is known in German, has received both impassioned love and hatred in its time. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you watched it in today's time, I'm sure you'd get the same amount of hatred. I, you know, I, I'm, I, I would assume so. Yeah. Um. So, so the film actually contains excerpts from speeches given by Nazi leaders at the Congress, including Adolf Hitler, Rudolf Hess, and Julius Streicher. Uh, interspersed with footage of massed uh, Sturmotling and Strusstoffel troops uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and public reaction Hitler commissioned the film and served as an unofficial executive producer his name appears in the opening title uh, the film's overriding theme is the return of Germany as a great power, which Hitler as the leader, or with Hitler as the leader who will bring glory to the nation. Because the film was made after the 1934 
Night of the Long Knives, uh, which is June 30th, 1934, many prominent um, SA members are absent. They were murdered in that party purge organized and orchestrated by Hitler to replace the SA with the SS, the Schutzstrafel. The Waffen um, SS, pretty much. Right. Um, as his main parliamentary force. So, yeah. Yeah, this one, this one's about, you know, how he, you know, how fucking Adolf Hitler wanted to, um, pretty much take over the fucking world, pretty much. Um, I mean, let's be honest, he almost did. He did, he almost did, you know, and he, he was one of the ones who perpetuate, perpetuated the Holocaust, um, you know, probably one of the, probably, no, the, the worst thing that's ever happened, um, you know, killing six million Jewish people, um, you know, all because they were different, um, and, uh, you know, which a lot of people more blame more of Heinrich Himmler than they do blame, uh, 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 Adolf Hitler for that one. Um, but then, you know, but then, but then they, they came out with, uh, with, the, with another, uh, they came out with Mein Kampf, which was, um, my struggle in German. Um, and that was another propaganda, uh, thing, um, about, it was, by, it was written, for, you know, by Adolf Hitler and his deputy uh, Rudolf Hess, um, yeah. So I mean, and you can again, you could talk about the the cinematography, and you could talk about the techniques that they used, and everything like that. But you you can't really sit there and say, oh, this is so it. Like, no. I mean, this was the fucking Germans. This was the, you know Nazi Germany, the ones who wanted to take over and you know kill everyone. You know, and it's like. No, nah, fuck you. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, this isn't what, you know, we, we got people in the United States, you know, fighting. The, the, this was, I mean, this is 1935. So this is pre-World War II, you know. So, you know, this was basically like a, a, a propaganda film to show like the Nazi party, like, you know, to the people of Germany. Like, hey, this is us. You know, this is what, you know, we're all about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it's 20 years after the outbreak of world of, 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 of the quote unquote, the great world war or the first world wars and all the great war as it, as it was called, um, 16 years after the beginning of German suffering, 19 months after the beginning of German rebirth. Um, it says, uh, it says Adolf Hitler flew once again to Nuremberg to hold the military display over his stalwarts. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of, uh, lot of things uh that was not you know flattering about this documentary at all right so so that being said let's move on to the very next one the next one on the list is the act of killing and this was in 2012 now this is an academy award-winning nominated and bafta winning documentary film that that uh, uh principally forces I'm sorry, principally focuses on a man that led a death squad responsible for brutally killing many Indonesian people in the mid-1960s. Anwar Congo spends most of the film boasting about his affluent lifestyle and dispassionately describes the methods he employed to merciful, merci mercilessly 
murder thousands of people. The choice to employ makeup and to have Anwar act out a scene as one of his victims, like a like as a, a sequence from a film. In addition to the fact that Anwar came to dislike the film following negative feedback, have earned the act of killing a spot on the list. Have you ever heard of the movie or the documentary The Act of Killing? I, I have not. I have not either. Um, the act... Oh, I, I not have, it might help if I spelled the, spelled, uh, spelled the thing, right? Yep, The Act of Killing. Yep, that's what it is. Um, in Indonesia, it is actually called uh, Jagal, meaning butcher. And um, it talks about the Indonesian mass killings of 1965 and 66, uh, directed by Joseph Optaheimer and uh, directed by Christine Shin. I'm sorry, Christine Sin, and 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 an anonymous Indonesian is what it's is what it's called. Um, a compassion piece of the film. Um, there was a movie called The Look of Silence that was released in 2014, which was a which was another documentary that was also about the uh the same thing the act of killing um according to the synopsis it says the film focuses on the perpetrators of the indonesian mass killings of 1965 and 66 in the present day the genocide led to the killing of almost a million people um obstinately for belonging to the local communist community when sohoto overthrew sakamo the president of indonesia the following uh, following the failed coup of the September 30th movement in 1965, the gangsters Anwar Congo and Ida Zokdre in South uh, in North Somalia were promoted from selling black market movie theater tickets to leading the most powerful death squad in North North uh, Samarita. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, they almost extorted money from the uh, ethnic Chinese as the price for keeping their lives. Anwar is said to have personally killed over 1,000 people. Damn. That's a lot. Yeah. It says, after Anwar plays a victim, he cannot continue. Optaheimer, the director, from behind the camera states that it was worse for the victims because they knew they were going to be killed, whereas Anwar was only acting. Anwar then expresses doubt over whether or not he has quote-unquote sinned, um, tearfully saying uh, he does not want to think about it. He revisits the rooftop where he claims many of his killings took place and regurgitates uh, repeatedly while describing how he had to kill people during the genocide. The dancers from the film's theatrical poster are seen before the credits roll. Um, the critical response of it is that it was received, it, it received a widespread acclaim from the critics. Uh, Rotten Tomato gave it a 95% uh, rating. Um, and there was a lot of people who enjoyed the film, but at the same time, you know, made it a very, very precautionary tale. Um, there was, um, there was one instance, uh, Bradley Simpson, who was a historian at the University of Connecticut and director of the Indonesian slash West Timor documentation project at the National Security Archive, stated that the brilliant Oscar, say that it was a brilliantly performed Oscar nominated film 
and what and has prompted a vigorous debate among indonesians about the crimes uh and the need to hold responsible parties accountable and oh gee, holding a party accountable wow what a concept um and struggles that it could have a similar effect on the united states of america those own whose own role in the killings has never officially been acknowledged much less accounted for though some of the relevant documents have been made available to the public oh yeah um so yeah so how are you feeling now after all of this um i might actually need to look this up and and right a, a gander at it to be honest yeah yeah, a lot and a lot of people you know believe that it glorified a mass murderer in a sense. Um a lot of people Al Jazeera had a um had a uh, a program about it. It was called a 101 East. Uh and it revealed uh, that uh Anwar had misgiven excuse me about the film and the negative uh reaction to the Indonesian people which caused a whole lot of problems for him. Uh in 2015 the film was named one of the 50 films of the decade by the guardian um it has made several top 10 lists um and has been named one of the best films of 2013 uh sight and sound the guardian la weekly and the in the in the av club all ranked at one the observer and watch mojo named it two um david Eckstein of new york you know and all i mean they he was in the top 10 of pretty much all of them um and I mean, it was. A, I mean, there was a lot of production for this particular one, um, but it is intriguing to me. Like, I really, I, I want to know more about like why it happened, and you know, what were the what were the steps that led to it, and if there was anything that we could see that happened there. If anything could, if we could make sure that nothing like that happens here, you know, because there's the old saying: "Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it." Right. You know. Um, so that being said, before we move on to number one, um, they did, uh, Watch Mojo did provide us a couple of honorable mentions, uh, and the five that they give us, um, uh, the documentary, The Bridge, we've talked about The Bridge on several occasions. Yes. Um, uh, Jesus Camp, which was another, um, which we'll get to that, we'll get to Jesus Camp on another edition of this. Um, there's also Child of Rage from the night, from 1990, that was, uh, one that was very uh controversial to say the list um deliver us from evil which was another one from 2006 and beyond the mat from 1999 and us being you know former wrestler current wrestler big wrestling fans in general beyond the mat was a very interesting documentary to see um and how did you how do you feel about it being an honorable mention in this particular uh list um, I, I, I can see where it would uh, fall under the controversial um, matter because it did reveal a lot of secrets of wrestling in a, a very odd way, uh, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and you, so. you got to see a lot. You saw a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I, maybe not people. I mean, granted, I mean, it, it, I think we both know. I think any wrestling fan knows if if something happens in WWE, and Vince McMahon don't know about it. 
it ain't it, it, it wasn't supposed to happen you know right it, that man knows everything you know what I'm saying that man knows what time the mailman's gonna get to the building on you know um but but nevertheless and then that and we'll and there are other documentaries that are controversial that we're going to talk about later in a later list um but this particular one who this number one this one in 2004 this one definitely got some uh some heat for it go ahead bubba yeah we're gonna talk about the uh the documentary fahrenheit 9 11 yep. um and there are a few figures in the history of film that are as divisive as michael moore um now michael moore is the the guy who directed this particular uh documentary but he's also known for other documentaries such as roger and me pets or meat canadian bacon the big one uh bowling for columbine obviously fahrenheit 9 11 sicko captain mike across america uh capitalism a love story where the where to invade next michael moore in trump land fahrenheit 11 9 which is about um the inauguration day of former president donald trump and planet of the humans not planet of the apes but planet of the humans uh, right. Obviously, today we're going to talk about Fahrenheit 9-11. Right. Um, so, uh, as I was saying, there are a few figures in the history of film that are as divisive as Michael Moore, which means it was an obvious choice to put one of his films in the top spot on this list. Bowling for Columbine was in the running, while another work based around the September 11th attacks by another director called loose change you mentioned yep. that earlier yep um was also considered but it was this 2004 documentary criticizing george w bush that takes number one on this particular list the use of sensationalism and some staged moments to decry a president earned more and fahrenheit 9-11 a great deal of hate but taking a highly criticized leader down a few pegs earned them just as much adoration as well. Um, now, yeah. for those of you who don't know or, or, or have never heard of Fahrenheit 9-11, uh, the film takes a critical look at the presidency of George W. Bush, the war in Iraq, and its coverage in the media. In the film, Michael Moore contends that American corporate media were cheerleaders for the 2003 invasion of Iraq and did not provide an accurate or objective analysis of the rationale for the war and the resulting casualties therein. Uh, right. So... Yeah, I, I seen I seen Fahrenheit nine. It, it wasn't until many many moons later um, that I seen Fahrenheit nine eleven. Um, but I watched it, you know, and I had seen Bowling for Columbine um, because for, for for many of you who don't know, um, Bowling for Columbine was the one about Columbine, you know, about the the tragedy of Columbine High School and things of that nature, um, and 
it, it was it, it, you 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 figure bowling for Columbine would be more about like the people there and the you know and in a way it, it was but it was also more about you know the culture of guns and violence in in the United States and the the starting point that they took was the Columbine High School massacre from 99 um in which you know the the two people I'm not going to mention their names and give them any credit but on April 20th of 1999 they came in and they killed 12 students and then eventually you know committed suicide um and then you know the 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 film bowling for columbine was one of those films that you know and it brought you know it talked about different you know ways of you know gun control and things of that nature saying that you know we don't believe you know not saying that you 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 you're not we're not saying you shouldn't have a weapon just register your weapons so we know what they are blah 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 needing more you know training there was a climate of fear just showing you statistics had meetings with the nra and, and things of that nature you know this one was a little bit more different this one was from the standpoint of like when people people automatically believe okay this is just a strict attack on george w bush and the, his party and things of that nature um but if you really think about it because because the first time that it debuted it debuted at the Cannes uh, film festival in 2004 and <clears throat> it received pretty positive reviews uh, for the for the most part um it was what they considered intense in, intensely uh controvert uh intent it was to incite controversy is what they would say um and i mean you just you think of the synopsis behind it, it talked about you know the 9 11 attacks and you know different things like that and um i mean yeah like what we should have done um you know, like, and I mean, I've I said it from the very beginning, and, I, and I've I, we've and we've talked about this before in previous, like, like, like I was for the war in Afghanistan because they were harboring the people who were responsible for the 9/11 attack, right? Like, but I wasn't a fan of the war in Iraq. Not to say that I don't support the troops, I do. Those men don't get to choose, men and women don't get to choose where they're stationed, and God bless them, you know. But I'm of the mindset: if you say somebody has something, they should have it. You, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't even find a super soaker in that motherfucker. You know, where were these weapons of mass destruction? Which was a whole lot of the reasoning why. But he kind of flips it and goes a little bit more beyond when he talks about, you know, the natural gas pipelines and, you know, the Indian Ocean and the economics with that. And also uh, the U.S. government and the Bush family itself, you know, between the bin laden family and the uh and the saudi arabian government and the taliban and and things of that nature which ended up leading to the u.s patriot act um that was signed um for all these different ones so so where are you where are you on the spectrum when it comes to this particular documentary uh this is one of the uh I'm trying to think of the right terminology uh, polarizing yeah we'll go with that this is this is one of the more polarizing documentaries uh that is out there um and, and for a time where people were increasingly becoming either you, you heard more and more either you were a democrat or a republican uh and, and this was heavily criticizing a republican um president and 
uh, criticizing his, what he did and, and, and the reasonings he uh, went into Iraq uh, or he decided to send the troops to Iraq. Uh, I don't think they touch on it in this documentary. Uh, it's been a hot minute since I've seen this particular documentary. Um, but uh, um, there are other documentaries out there where they they say that the reason we went into Iraq is because uh, President Bush and his father owned um, fields of drugs in right. Iraq. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was that one. I've heard. I heard that one too. Um, and then, of course, with Fahrenheit 9/11, also kind of kind of also coincides with Zeitgeist and a couple of other ones. Loose Change was one that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, where there was a lot of conspiracy theory based around the 9/11 uh, tragedy, and whether it was a inside job. And there's a lot of people who believe that 9/11 was an inside job. Um, I mean. I'll leave that for people to, you know, have their own beliefs of if they believe it is or not. Right. Um, that being said, though, out of the 10 that we talked about tonight, which one did you feel is the most interesting one? I, I, I think we've seen, I mean, obviously you've seen certain ones on top, but which one did you think is the most interesting? Um, oh, I, you know, honestly, I, I would say that they're probably all interesting in their own aspects. Right. Um, I I want to go see. I want to find Blackfish and and watch that for the yeah, simple it's on, fact that it's it's on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was going to say for the simple fact that there uh, there were people that were in the documentary that supported it originally when it was being filmed, and then after it, it was released and everything they they went on records to saying hey this isn't what we signed on for this is not what we were told was going to happen in this documentary and we no right. longer support this even though we're in it we don't support this uh so there there's that one uh the uh, interview with a cannibal uh something about that it just I, I think just for the simple fact that that guy wasn't put in prison for the rest of his life I, I need to I, I need to see that and understand why right exactly uh, those, for me those, the, I would say those are the yeah. the top two for me I would just because I haven't seen it and I kind of want to know more about it I want to see the act of killing. I want to know what exactly that is about for me, um, and um, I mean, I mean, I mean, all the all of them on the list have been a pretty good one. Obviously, the the three that kind of like we kind of clumped together was the Cove, Earthlings, and Blackfish. Uh, right, we're, we're all together. Uh, I seen the Zeitgeist movie. That's you know, it is what it is with Zeitgeist. Um, Triumph of the Will. I do not want to watch that ever. Uh, I wouldn't mind watching Faces of Death again. That was 
very uh uh i mean but then again like i mean the face see faces of death is one of those documentaries that you pull out of nowhere like hey you guys ever seen faces of death no no hey go go come check it out and then you see it and it's like oh god no <laughs> you know what i mean um and uh right. and, and, and i know a lot of people probably don't like michael moore because of his beliefs and things of that nature and um but you can't you can't hate the man for you know trying to discover you know the truth i mean a lot of a lot of the documentaries that people watch are the ones especially the ones that are very very controversial the ones that when you're criticizing stuff like globalization large corporations assault weapons presidents you know wars you know capitalism healthcare like when 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 you're when you're talking about things that you know are very very uh you know like i mean because michael moore say whatever you want about michael moore as a human being or whatever you can't help but the fact that you know what his stuff is very very compelling and you know like the latest uh, documentary that he put out uh planet of the humans uh which came out in 2019 is about uh climate change you know um right and you know that's that's a big topic right now and and who's to say that the next documentary that he comes out with isn't going to be about something that that other people are going to say is controversial um you know but nevertheless <clears throat> excuse me nevertheless um thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode we will be uh delivering a part two uh because we got some more documentaries that <laughs> oh boy there's some, there's some more doozies that we did not talk about on uh this particular list um and hopefully there's a couple and i'll 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 send you the uh the, i'll send you the list here in a little bit but yeah there's there's a couple of them there oh boy <laughs> they're just as worse if not uh you know just as bad as the ones we just talked about right that being said though uh again thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode we hope you guys enjoyed it and if you guys want to talk about it check us out movement radio on uh facebook uh movement radio fan page and uh, you guys debate talk about it uh chip anything you want to say before we bounce out of here this evening as always check out movementradio.us that is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio Absolutely. Shout out to our good friend Sean Thompson, Thompson Personal Training. Go to go to uh, Thompson Personal Training on Facebook. Check out all the pricing and listings. Check out our good friend Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation Podcast. Check out Andrew and Sean at the Warrior Workout Network, twitch.tv slash Unleash Demon, our good friend Ivan Montanez. And uh, Chip, the other one, you've been kind of posting it. Um, another podcast that people want to check out. I think, should I watch this? Is that the name of the podcast? Yes. Should I? Oh, it's, should I watch that? Should I watch that? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our good, our good buddy Sean and his. Uh, is it his wife that does it, or is it just another one of no, his friends, or uh, a high school friend? Okay, cool. Uh, so they they basically talk, discuss movies and pop culture and things of that nature. Go check out their stuff. Um, and like we said, thank you guys so much. If you guys listen this far, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. 19,000 downloads. We cannot say thank you enough. You guys are awesome. And we'll talk to you guys next time. We'll see you guys on another episode of Movement Radio. Chip, let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the YouTube channel and subscribe. Click the bell to get notified of our latest videos and check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. And I am Talon Williams. And this 
is Movement Radio. God's plan.